Uh, good morning, City Gate Church. Um, I don't know about you guys, but when I hear that Speak Jesus song, it definitely, uh, I don't know, it does something to my spirit. It brings me up, brings some emotions out of me for some reason every time I hear it. Um, so had she started singing that song last, I'd probably been like, just keep, just keep going. Just stay, just stay on that song for a bit. Uh, no, but I'm um, always blessed to get to speak with you guys and share what God has on my heart. Um, we, had, we just had Thanksgiving, so I'm hoping that everybody had a great Thanksgiving with their families. Everything went well. Um, and then here we are entering into another holiday season, right? And, um, and it seems that each year this holiday season keeps getting a little bit longer, right? It starts beginning just a little earlier than it did the year before. I think I was at Lowe's. And um, I saw a bunch of Christmas trees and decorations out before Halloween. And I was like, well, that's, that's new. That's, uh, that's, yeah, it just keeps, I just wonder how far it's going to extend, right? It's in October now, maybe next year, reach into September a little bit, August, and then eventually it'll probably just be the whole year. I think that's what uh, department stores want for sure. Um, but there are so many things that we can relate to this season that we're entering into, right? Everywhere you look, there's Christmas stuff. Every store you go to, it, go to, they have their Christmas decorations out. Uh, coffee shops have their um, seasonal drinks out, trying to lure customers in with uh, peppermint drinks and nutmeg and whatever else people like to drink like that. I'm simple. I just want a vanilla latte. That's all I, that's all I want, really. Um, but yeah, even in neighborhoods, I've seen Christmas lights. And uh, so there are a lot of things that stand out a little differently this time of year. But there is one thing that uh, always captures my attention during this time of year, and it is that, and it is the uh, Salvation Army Red Kettle Program, right? That's where you have men and women standing outside of stores, ringing their bell in hopes of getting the attention of some generous givers, right? Just like Paula was talking about, generous givers. Uh, that's what they're after. Um, and I don't know if the Salvation Army, if it reminds me of Christmas because I spent so much time there in my middle school years doing community service, uh, not voluntarily. Um, they thought I needed to perform so many hours to uh, learn my lesson. Um, so I spent a good portion of my seventh grade there for sure. Uh, but I don't think that's the reason that it um, captures my attention. I think the real reason is because of General William Booth. He founded the Salvation Army in 1865. And obviously we see how much good they do out in the communities. Um, throughout the world, right? They've helped millions and millions of people for years since 1865. And uh, when he was asked, when William Booth was asked to reveal the secret to his success, um, what he said has echoed in my heart and mind ever since. He said, I will tell you the secret. God has had all there was of me. God has had all there was of me. And there's more to, that, more to the quote than that. And I encourage you guys to maybe look that up later on. But all of what he said within that meeting is summarized in those eight words. Eight is, God has had all there was of me. And so whenever I think about what he said, it causes me to stop and reflect and ask myself, is this true of me? Does God have all of me? Right? And this is a question that we should all be asking ourselves. And it shouldn't be a one-time question. This should be a recurring conversation that we're having with ourselves. Does God have all of me? Because when we can ask ourselves this question, it is a good way to locate where our hearts are at. And once we know that, it makes navigating this life much easier and so that we can get our hearts to where they belong or rather to whom they belong, to God. And so we live in this world where ever since Eden, there has been a 
ongoing war for the human heart and how often throughout the Bible it talks about protecting our heart, right? Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And the reason for this attention that is given to our hearts in the Bible is because this verse said, because like this verse said, everything we do flows from it, meaning that our hearts are directing the path of our lives. And so we are called to guard our hearts throughout scripture. I want to look at a, I want to look at a valuable weapon, a valuable mindset that we can have to help navigate our lives here. And that is a thankful heart. I believe that we get a good illustration of this in um, Luke 17, Luke 17, 11 through 13. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. So this word pity, and in other versions translated as mercy, does not convey exactly what these men were asking. These men were looking for something that only Jesus could provide. They were looking for healing, obviously. They were looking to be relieved of their suffering, but really what they wanted was they wanted their old life back. Because not only uh, were these men afflicted by this leprosy, but because of this affliction, they were forced to live outside of the village. So not only did their condition affect them physically, it also affected every area of their lives. Leprosy, like sin, had flipped their worlds upside down. And so when these men approached Jesus, they were looking at Jesus as if though he was just someone who could heal them. They, were, they weren't looking to just be healed, right? They were looking to have their lives restored because they had experienced the cost of what this leprosy had done in their lives. And they knew that Jesus was the only solution to their problem. He was, he was their only hope for restoration. And so let's look at how Jesus responded to the request in verse 14. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. And so as we know from reading our Bible, um, Jesus was able to see past what people presented, right? He was able to see more than what our eyes recognize and notice, right? We can easily, easily glance over the fact that it's just said Jesus saw them and just believe that's all that happened here, um, that he saw them and their outward condition. But we have to remember that Jesus wasn't here to heal people and perform miracles, right? He did those things, but that's not why he was here. He was sent here on a mission for the human heart. He was here to save us. And so when he saw them, he wasn't looking at their outward appearance. He was looking at the condition of their hearts. And his response and their response and this encounter that they had sets up a valuable lesson for those present and sets up a valuable lesson for us today. In a verse 15 through 16, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. So I'm sure if you are not familiar with this story, you have picked up on um, something that doesn't quite, up at, quite add up here, right? Because it said everyone, every one of them was healed, right? Meaning 10 out of 10 men were healed, and yet only one man came back to thank Jesus. And so Jesus also picked up on this uh, mathematical discrepancy in verses 17 through 18. Then Jesus asked, were not 10 of you cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was there no one found to return and give thanks and praise to God except this foreigner? So often as Jesus does, he said this beautifully, right? He said, where are the other nine? Right? Well, the fact is we don't know. I'm sure you could probably look up some messages or lessons on this, and I'm sure some people probably tried to expound on this, what happened to these nine guys. But the fact is we don't know. But what we can take away from them is, number one, is that we don't know where they are. 
because they did not return to Jesus. And so they missed out on having an experience with Jesus like the one man did. And number two is their lack of faithfulness did not go unnoticed. Our response to Jesus will always be acknowledged by him. And so whether we are like the one man who returned to Jesus or we are like the other 90%, God is going to take notice of how we respond to him and his son and what he has done for us. And so there's one more verse that in this encounter that wraps it up perfectly. In verse 19, uh, in the the NIV, then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. And then in the Christian standard Bible, and he told him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you. And then in the King James Version, which I won't read as it's written because we don't talk like that anymore. Um, And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. And so when looking up this word, well, that is used in the NIV, it means to save, to deliver, make whole, preserve from danger, loss, or destruction. In the Gospels, this word is used in describing, in des- to describe being safe from sickness, demon possession, and even physical death. But more often than not, it directly is referencing spiritual salvation. So not only was this man freed from his physical disease, right? We get to see that because of his faith, which we'll look at in a moment, he was also freed from sin and death. And so what was this, why was this enc- encounter documented today, right? And anytime you read the Bible, you need to look at it and be like, why was this documented? Because it also says that Jesus did way more things in the Bible than that could ever have been documented. So if it made it its way into the Bible, there's definitely a reason for it. So what is God trying to teach us through the story of these 10 men? Well, obviously, this story is a story of thankfulness, right? It's a story of a man and his thankful heart. And that's because that's what set this man apart from those other nine. But what does thankfulness mean within the context of being a Christian? What does being thankful have to do with our lives? What does thankfulness have to do with our hearts? Uh, Jesus speaks on this in Matthew 12, 34. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Right? And so if we go back to the man who went back to Jesus to thank him, what we are getting to see in this encounter, what we are observing is a glimpse of this man's heart. Right? Because Jesus himself said that the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And so this man in thanking Jesus was thanking him from a thankful heart. Uh, we have a couple more verses on um, thankfulness. And as you'll see, it's a big theme throughout the Bible. Colossians 3.15, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as, mem- since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Rejoice, oh, 1 Thessalonians 5.16-18. through 18. If you guys ever need an easy um, scripture to uh, remember, or memorize. Verse 16 is rejoice always, two words. Verse 17 is pray continually, another two words. And then verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And then one more in Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about every, anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Our response in any given situation is a direct reflection of our heart. And so there are plenty of other verses that point us to the fact that not only is thankfulness to God a theme throughout the Bible, but it's also supposed to be a theme throughout our lives. And so what, so what is the importance of being thankful, right? Why is it so heavily emphasized throughout the Word of God? Well, if we look at a simple definition of thanksgiving, 
and it kind of takes away from the beauty of the word, but it means being conscious or aware of benefits received. Being conscious or aware of benefits received, right? So could it be that when we are thankful, it helps us remember what has been done for us, right? And if we can answer yes to that question, we must also believe that our thankfulness helps locate where our hearts are at. So I want you guys to think about maybe you're at an amusement park, maybe you're at a shopping center, maybe a stadium, you're, but you're somewhere that's unfamiliar to you. Are you not relieved? Are you not thankful when you find one of those, um, I don't know exactly what they're called, a navigation sign, right? It has a map of the entire place on it. It has where the bathrooms are located, the exits, the food courts, uh, the rides. It has whatever you could, wanted to know about this place on that map. And then the most important thing on this map is a little symbol, maybe a star, maybe an arrow, but it says you are here, right? It says you are here. And that is the most important thing on that map, right? Because it doesn't matter where the bathrooms are at. It doesn't matter where anything else is at if you don't know where you are. And so we can feel lost in unfamiliar situations, but when we can locate where we are at and then where we need to go and how to get there, the navigating through those situations is made much easier. And this is why being thankful to God is so important, right? Because when we are thankful to God, it reminds us of what he has done. It reminds us where we are at. It reminds us who we belong to. It reminds us that we are in him. It reminds us that everything that is going on in our lives is still being directed by his mighty hands. In Psalms 31, 14 through 15, this is King David speaking, writing, but I trust in you, Lord, I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. If you guys have read Psalm, you probably noticed another a little theme in there too of David's thankfulness, of his thankful heart, right? God himself, when he was referring to David, says that he was a man after his own heart. And it is because of his heart of thankfulness that David had when he was faced with impossible odds, he was able to put his trust in God to deliver him. Right? He was committed to being grateful for all that God had done for him. And so when moments of opposition presented themselves, he was reminded of how God had been faithful and delivered him before. And because of this, he did not hesitate to call on God in his time of need. Right? And David didn't make these requests to God in hopes that they would be answered. Right? He wasn't leaving himself up to chance. Right? When, he was, when he went to God praying for things, he was going in assured that it was going to happen. Right? He was assured of these things because he understood who it was that was guiding his life. His thankfulness for what God had done for him in the past allowed him to be confident that God would be faithful in the present moment and in the future. Thankfulness is a great reminder of how God has been faithful before. And when we find ourselves in difficult circumstances and situations, we're able to look back to God's faithfulness and remember where we are located. Right? The Bible says where your, where your, heart is, where your treasure is is where your heart will be. Where, so we are where our treasure is, and if we treasure what it is that God has done in our lives, then we know it, who it is that our hearts belong to. Uh, David, again, when met with opposition in Psalms 27, 13, he says, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David's confidence never came from within. Right? David, as much success as he had, he never relied on himself, right? He was never self-assured. His assurance came from how God had delivered him before. His confidence was in God's faithfulness, right? Went up against a bear, God was faithful. Went up against a lion, God was faithful. Went up against a giant, not just a giant, right? A champion, God was faithful. 
God never gave David a reason to doubt him, right? If anybody had ever spoke about doubt and God in the same sentence, David wouldn't, wouldn't have been able to relate to that, right? That would have been a foreign concept to David. And so just like our thankfulness reminds us of what God has done for us in the past, it assures us of what he will do in our future. So let's take another look at uh, Philippians 4, 6. I read it earlier. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. I think we can all agree that thankfulness is good for our heart, right? You can look at somebody who is very thankful and you can look at somebody who is not thankful and you can tell a big difference in them and you can decide which one of those people you'd rather be like, right? And we can also agree that there is a, that our hearts are constantly under attack, right? But when we hold true to what Paul writes in Philippians, right, he wrote, do not be anxious about anything. If you think about any, anything's a bold word. It's a very bold word to use because anything covers everything, right? There is not a word, there is not an experience, there not, is not a thought that is not captured by the word anything. And then he follows it up with in every situation. So again, he uses another bold word, every. Every, like anything, also covers everything. So, with th- so two times within the same train of thought, Paul writes two words which cover every possibility of the human experience. And then he gives us the equation on what our response is to be in every circumstance by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. And this is where we find ourselves in the beauty of our faith in God. Because typically thanks is given after the fact, right? I'll thank you. Thank somebody for something that they, they have done for you. Uh, thankfully, everything worked out. Being, being thankful in this way is important. We should be grateful for what has been done for us. We should be thankful when things work out in our favor. But this thanksgiving that Paul is alluding to here is not in the sense of what has been done, but a thankfulness for what is yet to come. Being thankful is not only acknowledging the past, but it is looking ahead to the future. And so when we have a thankful heart, we are able to see the future more clearly, right? Not that we see every... Um, um, not, that, not that we see every specific thing that could happen, but that, and the fact that we know that whatever does happen, it all falls under the sovereignty of God. And so when it comes to prayer, right, no matter the situation, no matter the circumstances, we can rest assured that God, first of all, loves us and that he hears us and that he is working all things for our good. And it is because of this that we can be thankful. Our thankfulness in the moment is us just looking ahead to the promise, right? Because faith looks past the problem because its eyes are set on the promise. And our faith is most effective when we are thankful for what God has done for us. Because when we can look back at what he has done for us, it reassures us of what he is going to do next. In uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, maybe the most, one of the most popular faith um, verses, it says, for we live by faith, not by sight, right? We are able to live by faith because we have seen its effectiveness before. When we can make faith a part of our lives as routine as um, turning on the lights, we won't ask ourselves, is this going to work, right? When you reach for, the, reach for a light switch, you're not thinking to yourself, is this going to work, right? You just expect it to work because it's always worked before. Now, if we were doing it in the youth, they might have some feedback saying, well, sometimes the light bulb's out, something like that. It's usually the feedback getting youth, but that's man's air, right? So there's probably a sermon in that too. But when we reach for the light switch, we know it's going to turn on, and this is where we need to be with our faith. Because I will tell you this, your faith will need to be used in your life. In 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18, 
For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And so we have to understand that in these moments of our trials, our faith is being built up, right? Our faith will never grow if it is never used. And we may see, and what may seem like stumbling blocks to us when we're dealing with these um, circumstances, they're actually building blocks of our faith. Because when we can see that God is in fact working all things for our good, and we apply what happens to us, being stumbling blocks, to the cornerstone of our faith, then all that comes our way is just helping us build up our faith in him. And so how are we to know that we can rely on God if we never have the need to, right? If you look at David's life, he had, he had a lot of things going against him constantly, and yet he never uh, wavered in his faith, right? Because each circumstance was, was only building up his faith. And so we are able to live by faith because we have seen it work when applied to our lives. We have seen it work throughout God's word time and again when his people were faced with impossible odds, God showed up. And this faithfulness from God only helps build up our faith now and in the future. Our thankfulness, our gratitude is a response to what God has done for us. And so when we give him thanks, we are acknowledging what he has done for us. And when we can acknowledge what he has done, it serves as a reminder of what he has promised that he will do. Right, Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Uh, do we remember what, we, uh, what the last thing Jesus said to the man who returned was? In Luke 17, 19, he said, Then he said to him, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Right, and so he said to the man, what he often said to people that he healed, he said, <clears throat> Your faith has made you well. So how is Jesus able to see this man's faith? Because he saw his thankfulness. He saw this man's thankful heart. So here it is pointing out to us that our faith and <clears throat> thankfulness are connected. <clears throat> remember, we, uh, remember we mentioned that our thankfulness is our response to God's faithfulness. And our faith is no different, right? We wouldn't have faith in God if we had if we have never done anything, if he had never done anything for us. But if we place our faith in God, we are acknowledging that he has indeed worked in our lives before. We respond to God in faith. So how we read the Bible, how we listen to a message is key in our relationship with God, right? We have to take what we read, we have to take what we heard, we have to take what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us, and then we have to ask ourselves, how does this apply to me, right? So in this lesson, what does the story of these 10 men with leprosy mean in my life? Well, we, like these 10 men, had a problem, right? I think we can relate to them in that way. We had a problem. We, like these 10 men, had an issue that could not be cured by ourselves, couldn't be cured by anyone. Before we were saved, we had this impossible debt that we owed to sin, right? We, like these 10 men, had no hope. We, like these 10 men, were not living the life that we were created to live. All up until Jesus entered the scene. In the same way that these ten, were, 10 men were saved from their disease, we who have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior have been saved from ours. Right? Our debt was paid. We were freed from the guilt of sin. We were rescued from our death sentence. And because of this mercy and grace that was extended to us, right, to us who are called according to his purpose and will now, are to be thankful. Our level of gratitude directly reflects our level of faith. 
because it is when we are thankful that we are aware of his goodness, aware of his faithfulness, aware of our complete and total need of him. And so we are thankful to him because he did what we couldn't do, right? He did something that we couldn't do. He did something that could not be done for us by any other means, right? And just like when David was thankful when God intervened on his behalf against the giant, just like Daniel was thankful to God when he intervened on his behalf against a conspiracy to kill him. And just like this one leper who understood fully what Jesus had just done for him when he intervened on his behalf against an illness. And then we who were up up against an undefeated foe in death were saved and made righteous when God intervened by sending his son. And so if we think about the price of our salvation, right, if we really think about what the price was for our salvation, Jesus hanging on the cross, the blood of Jesus, Jesus taking our punishment, that brought us salvation. And for that, I think we have enough to be thankful for. But God doesn't leave it there, right? God doesn't leave it there. Our God is a God who loves to multiply blessings. You know, Scotland's getting a little older. She's getting a little more vocal. She can tell me the things she wants now. And so she'll point to something maybe in a magazine or at the store and she'll say, I want that. Well, she says, my, I want that. So it's super cute. But she says, I want that. And it's hard for me not to want to give her everything that she asked me for. And then that causes me to reflect on our father, who is far better than I am. And to think about how much more does our Heavenly Father want to give good things to his children. And so on this topic of a thankful heart, I want to leave you with one more thought. I mentioned uh, Proverbs 4.23 earlier. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And then this leads us to Philippians 4.7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So we're talking about guarding our heart here, right? And a good way to guard our heart is by only giving it to the one who can protect it, right? In this world, in this life, there's plenty of things that we can give our heart to, plenty of things we shouldn't be giving our heart to that we do. But we are only to give our heart to the one who can protect it. And that protection comes from Christ. And that peace of God comes from our thankfulness to him, right? We will find no peace in God if we are not acknowledging what it is that he has done for us. Our faith is most effective when we come to him with the heart of thanks. And when we are able to respond in thankfulness, no matter the circumstances, we, circumstances that we may be facing, we have to be aware that the world will take notice. In 1 Peter 2.12, he writes, Live such good lives among the unbelievers that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Right? We are to be a reflection of Jesus. Right. And that is why the word of God is referenced to in James as a mirror. Right. Because like a mirror, when we look into the word of God, it shows us what we really look like. And it also shows us what we are really supposed to look like. And then through that, we can sit there and we can. Um, um, see what needs to be adjusted in our lives. And then when we make those adjustments, we can be thankful in all circumstances. And when we're thankful in all circumstances, the world will take notice because they will see something that we have something that they don't. And when they come to us and ask us for the reason for the hope that we have, when they ask us how we can be so grateful when it doesn't seem like we should be, we can give them the good news of Christ's coming, the good news of his death, his victory, his resurrection, the fact that now he lives on the inside of us, right? The fact that now he intercedes on our behalf. 
that he has given us eternal life. And for that alone, we can be forever thankful. Uh, let's pray. So, Father, we thank you for this morning. Uh, we thank you for the air in our lungs. Uh, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for all you have done to get us here. We thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who guides us in all truth. We thank you for calling us yours and setting us apart from the world. I pray that we take this concept of a thankful heart to heart, that we understand that a thankful heart will guide us into all that is, all that is, that is that you have called us to do. Most of all, Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for all that he accomplished for us. We thank you for all that your Holy Spirit who lives big on the inside of us, guiding our paths. We thank you for all that you do and all that you will do. In Jesus' name, amen.